Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Welcome, welcome to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. And I don't know if you remember the word homophones. Homophones are words that sound the same, 
but are spelled differently. When I was in seventh grade, our teacher asked us to collect words like this. You know, words like shoot, shoot the gun, laundry shoot. Finding pairs was fun. Finding triplets was harder, like scent, 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 one scent, a smell scent, a package scent. And then there's road, like a highway or rode a horse or rode a boat, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Now you can look them up on the internet. We, we had to figure them out from what we had read. Coincidences are like homophones, except that you can't look them up on the internet. Each of the elements is similar somehow, yet they are not the same. One of the people who has written me uh, finds correspondences in massive amounts of detail, sometimes relating some fact of his hometown to movies or news or something he read. He sniffs out similarities uh, somehow uh, in the, all the differences and all the confusion. Our guest today has written the best collection of coincidence stories to date. Sharon Hewitt Rowlett not only read massive numbers of coincidence books, she has also organized the stories into excellent categories, starting with their possible explanation in the first section and going through their many uses in the second section. Sharon has a PhD from New York University and works for both writes for both scholarly and popular audiences on the subject of coincidences. She is the author of the Psychology Today blog, Mysteries of Consciousness, the 2019 book, The Source and Significance of Coincidences, the book I just mentioned, and a forthcoming memoir on the role of coincidences in navigating love and loss in France, called The Supreme Victory of the Heart. It will be available in May 2002. Welcome back to the show, Sharon. Thank you very much, Bernie. I'm very glad to be invited back. And very, I'm very glad to have you. Um, the, you had a coincidence involving your favorite number, number 33, that helped you decide on the job you're now taken of writing about coincidences rather than being an academic. Could you tell us about that? Yes. So this happened um, in the first year after I had decided to leave academia, because after I got my PhD, I had uh, a postdoctoral fellowship at Brandeis University for a couple of years. And while I was there, I was trying to figure out if academia was really the place I wanted to be or not. And I had come to the conclusion that it wasn't. And so I hadn't applied for any other jobs after my fellowship was going to run out. I decided that I was really going to devote myself to writing. Um, I didn't know that I was going to be writing so much about coincidences at that point, but I knew that I wanted to be writing. And so I decided uh, to leave academia. Well, um, after that, uh, just a few months after I had finally left um, the university, um, went through a lot of things um, in my personal life. There's a lot of upheaval, and that's part of the subject of the, the memoir that's coming out this spring. And during that process, I started to ask myself, well, did I really make the right decision in leaving academia or not? Um, I was thinking partly financially. I was like, you know, it really would be good to have a few more years of university salary before I try to make it on my own. So I started to wonder, did I make the right choice? And it was late enough in the fall that all of the um, 
the, the application period for new academic jobs for the following year had already closed. Um, there's a really sh a short window um, every fall when those jobs are open for applications. The period had closed, but I decided I wanted to go online and look at what jobs had been advertised because I thought if there hadn't even been any jobs I would have been interested in, then that would confirm the decision that I had made to stay out of academia and I would feel better, um, more confident in the decision that I had made. Well, when I went online to look at the jobs, I discovered that there was actually a job that was right in my area of specialty, which was metaethics at the time. Wait, what, what is metaethics? So this is um, kind of the deeper questions about ethics. What makes something good or bad? What makes something right or wrong? It's like the metaphysics behind ethics. So this, uh, behind ethics, yeah, and uh, ethics is becoming an important problem, I think, in parapsychology. As as uh, psi becomes more accepted, we have to be able to develop a set of ethics about how it can be best done. That's a very good point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we could talk more about that. Um, so. I found this job that was advertised in metaethics, not just in metaethics, but here in Virginia, where both you and I live. Um, this is my home state, and it was in a part of the state that I just loved. It was at um, James Madison University, which is not far from you. And I thought, wow, this really would have been a, the perfect job for me. And then I noticed that that particular job uh, still was open for applications. So I decided, this is a sign I should apply for this. So I go through all the process of um, getting my application together. Um, I finally compiled all the materials and I actually need to send it to my alma mater, NYU, because they're gonna put some letters of recommendation in there and send it on. And I realized at that time that I had already planned completely independently a trip to New York City. So I was like, well, another coincidence, I'll just take these application materials up there myself and hand it to them. But when I got to New York, something just stopped me from going to NYU and giving them the materials. I spent a couple of days just doing other stuff in the city and just didn't want to go there. My last full day in the city, I was sitting in a friend's apartment and I looked out the window at this office building that was across the way and I saw all these people working in their office and it kind of reminded me of what life had been like working in my office um, at the university. And I just knew, and it pitted my stomach, I was just like, I just don't want to go back to that. I, I'm supposed to move on to something else now. I'm not going back. And I decided at that moment that no matter how many coincidences had gotten thrown at me, this was not my path. So I did not take my application materials in. And number 33 has been a real big one for you. Well, it's interesting. Right when you said uh the number 33, my countdown for this segment of the, the show said 333. But uh, yes, it is a big number for me. Um, and what happened after I decided not to turn in my application is that evening I was walking around the city and I came upon the office building that I had seen out of my friend's window. And I discovered that the address of that office building was 33 Maiden Lane. So here I had had all of these coincidences that seemed to me to be pointing me towards taking this academic job. But my intuition in the end told me that wasn't the right path. And when I made the decision 
not to apply for the job, suddenly I got this other coincidence that to me seemed to confirm you made the right choice. You weren't supposed to take that job. Yeah, that's what 33 means for me, for you quite a bit. Yeah, it often comes as a confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, I but think this, in the- this, this one was a clarification for you, which is an important kind of uh, coincidence challenge that you mentioned in your book. Yes. Yeah, I talk about these clarifying coincidences because sometimes we have coincidences like this that almost seem like they're misleading us. Like I could have looked back at those coincidences about this being the perfect job for me and felt like, well, why was the universe giving me this perfect job if I wasn't supposed to apply for it? What what was going on? I think ultimately the coincidences aren't designed to tell us exactly what to do, but they're designed to help us listen to our own intuition understand our own feelings and ultimately make a decision for ourselves. So in that particular case, I was at a stage where I was doubting my own decision. And I think that this coincidence of this job at JMU was offered to me because it's like the universe was saying, okay, you think maybe I should go back to academia. Well, here's the perfect job. This is exactly the kind of job that you would want if you were going back to academia. Now see how you feel about this. And when I really thought deeply about the reality of what that would mean, I realized, no, that's not my path. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's so important. A lot of the things that you've said, uh, that we have some free will in all this. Uh, the, the, it's often debated, do we have free will or not? Uh, of course we do. It's, it's in, within a limited framework that sometimes we can decide, and it does make a difference. You can say fate always has has decided which way we're going to go anyway, but that, that's another hard one to prove. But here's a situation where you had the ability to decide, and you decided. And we, I like to think of that as a, a demonstration of exercise of free will. Yes. I think our free will is so important in these cases. Our... And that really the coincidences in our lives are not telling us what to do, but they're helping us to make that decision for ourselves. Good, good. We're coming to the end of this segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, and we are talking with Sharon hewitt Rollett. Patty Conklin grew up in Brooktondale, New York with a unique ability. Unlike others, she could see how the vibration of words and emotions affected the physical body. She discovered how to release stored emotion and facilitate healing. This began today's Conklin method of cellular cleansing. The private practice grew with tremendous results, as did her reputation. More and more people sought her out, bringing her into the home for healing. She soon realized she could even teach this to others, and they could shift perception and thus prevent illness from occurring. Patty Conklin quickly became a frequent keynote speaker, and she developed a curriculum for teaching the Conklin method of cellular cleansing. For more information, visit pattyconklin.com. 
P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N, pattyconklin.com, or call 404-474-0086. That's 404-474-0086. Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and we are talking with Sharon Hewitt Rollette, who is the author of The Consciousness, I mean, Coincidences, uh, The Source and Significance of Coincidences, A Hard Look at the Astonishing Evidence. A very good book to read. It's long. She knows it. She couldn't stop herself from throwing stuff in there. I think she could have used an editor every once in a while in that. <laughs> she did it all herself. But this Are you volunteering lot. for the job, I, Bernie? I am not. It's already done. <laughs> it already happened. Uh, that, that would be quite a massive undertaking. But <laughs> I, I, did, I did have a few opinions going through because there was a bit of repetition sometimes. But it's a very, very well done book with a lot of good stories and a lot of good conclusion and very well written, too. And then you weave in some of your own stories, which then become uh, additions to your memoir, The Supreme Victory of the Heart, which is coming out in May of this year. But let's stay with the coincidences themselves. I, I, I was curious to hear that you say um, that you didn't know you were going to be a writer about coincidences, and yet you discovered that you were. How did that happen? So I think the... It was it was gradual in some ways. So right after the coincidence I was talking about, 
um, as far as the academic job and deciding for sure that I was leaving academia, um, I started to experience several more coincidences uh, just related to my life in general and, and some of the, the personal things I was going through. But none of them were really so strikingly improbable that um, uh, they were the kind of thing you could just kind of, they were reassuring to me personally, but I didn't think they were, you know, um, something that, you know, was paradigm shifting for the world. But then a few years later, I had this coincidence that I talked about the last time you interviewed me, uh, where my phone, when I was in the United States, was showing me a map in France um, of the place where my friend that I was thinking about in France was at the time. When that happened to me, that was so strikingly improbable that I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I really needed to understand what this phenomenon was that had so um, so influenced my life because that was really life-changing personally and then also on this theoretical level of what does this mean about the nature of the universe? I started asking myself a lot of these deep questions. I started asking myself a lot of questions about statistics and how we could quantify the probability of these things happening uh, because I really wanted to know how improbable was it that this would happen? You know, with, with all of the, you know, 7 billion people on the planet, you know, somebody's going to experience something this wild and crazy. So does it really mean something deep about the nature of the universe? You know, uh, that, that phrase, something is going to, somebody's going to experience something wild and crazy, which is the, the favorite line of, uh, <laughs> of uh, statisticians when, uh, or, or frequentists, people who say it's all probability. Mm -hmm. um, and it's such, a, it's such a reverse thinking because it happened to you, therefore it has to happen. Uh, and they can't predict that that was going to happen. But because it happened, it happened. And therefore they put mm -hmm. it in this large realm of uh, everybody, weird things happen and large populations. We don't have to go into this one too much. You've, you've, yeah. tried, to, you've tried to take this one apart too uh, in, in your first Psychology Today blog with me. But mm -hmm. I just, just wanted to get past that. So anyway. Yeah, so, but that was one of the things that, one of those burning questions that I wanted to answer for myself. So it became such an important topic for me to investigate that I spent, you know, four years just researching exclusively this topic and realizing along the way that I had compiled so much information and had, you know, tried to systematize it in a way that would be helpful, I thought, to other people. And so I decided it needed to be a book. So I kind of combined my two interests in, in writing and in coincidences to produce yeah, it's, this. It's, it's, uh, I got a kick out of these, uh, these, these triggering coincidences, <laughs> trying to see mm -hmm. what really gets people attention about them <clears throat> and mine was my dog when i was eight or nine and then my father choking around the same time i was right thousand miles away um, those those two got me um going and this one got you going and there are different ways that other people get going and i there's something about a signature of the person's mind that to me tells me something about them one of the mm. characteristics of your book <clears throat> and also in a parallel way with Robert Hopke, is you have more stories about women than I've seen a lot of books have. Oh, I don't know if, 
Is that interesting? Yeah, I, I don't know if you've noticed it, but no, that, that is my, I didn't do any count, but mm-hmm. a lot more women's stories, not and more men's stories in a lot of the books that, that I've read. Not that there have been men and women's stories, but women are more prominently featured as a central character in, I think, in your stories. And Robert Hopke, who, who is gay, uh, features more gay men's stories in them. So it, it mm-hmm. may be something for you was subconscious for him it may have been just part of the experience he had uh, but that's an interesting line that i think we it's a good thing that we have people doing uh, coincidence work in different fields yes yeah that is not something that i had noticed um but that's that's really interesting uh and yeah it, it takes because this People, so many people are starting to get interested in the subject of coincidences. There are lots of books out there now. And in reading so many of them, I didn't think about it as explicitly as you did, but you really, you learn something different about the phenomenon from each person's take on it. Because those people, each person seems to have their own like signature, like you're saying, the, the way that coincidences tend to happen to them. And I think that influences the way that they look at other people's coincidence stories and the, the ones that they start to collect and think of as being the most interesting. Oh, yeah. I think that's very true. I think that is very true. Well, there, there's a lot in your book to wonder about. And one of my favorite things to wonder about is... Uh, well, the psychosphere is my general idea of our Earth's atmosphere. Uh, is, it has a parallel as in our mental atmosphere. And I like to see about what's populating the psychosphere as a way, in my way of thinking about things. And so much of your book is about um, discarnate beings and in, mm. in influencing decisions and activities. Uh, of us mm-hmm. people walking around in earth suits over here. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's something that uh, I have gingerly gotten to um, with earth, con- earth, earth uh, coincidence control office that John really <laughs> intended to define. That there's, there, there seem to be some right. kind of conscious intention and en- entities around us someplace, and I'll say in the psychosphere, that we can make contact with. And you, you now firmly believe that there are entities up there uh, influencing us, often through coincidences. Could you tell us some about that? Well, I think it's really interesting to think, think about what these entities are. Okay, so, because a lot of people talk about angels or they talk about spirit guides um, and some of them have had pretty clear-cut experiences that lead them to believe in the existence of angels or spirit guides. I myself have not had those experiences but I've seen so many people uh, tell their own experiences about interacting with spiritual beings of some kind that I am inclined to believe that those beings are real. On the and, other hand, and people and people talk about influences of deceased loved ones. Oh yes, yes, that as well. Um, but being the you know the philosopher and the the metaphysician that I am, uh, I am very curious about 
what the ultimate nature of these other beings yeah. is. And you hear in some of these accounts that people give of interacting with these other minds um, in the spirit realm, for lack of a better term, that eventually a lot of them will be told by these beings that these beings are actually part of them. Now we're talking specifically about spirit guides and, um, and some of the angel stories uh, where they will have been guided by these beings and, you know, helped to, to make decisions in their life um, in a positive way. And then eventually they'll be told, well, I'm just part of you. Uh, you're just talking to yourself and talking to me as a, a spirit guide. So I'm not, I don't have a firm belief about how separate we are from these other beings. Well, I'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of glad that you say that because I hadn't seen that in your book, but it's, they're part of us. Because I have this uh, image of each of us walking around on earth with a kind of kite in the psychosphere that is attached to our minds. And this kite, think of it as like a kite or even a balloon floating around in there. And it's picking up stuff from the psychosphere about us. It's still mm. attached to us. Mm -hmm. It's a part of us that we haven't recognized, but it's still attached to us. So it feels like it's somewhat separate from us, but it can be some something that's kind of like a, a radar thing that's picking up stuff that if we tune into that machinery up there, we can get some information. Yes, I think it's it's a very similar thing. And I, I think it goes even further because I think that kite can have some independent consciousness as well. Um, and, and we, we need to stop there. Maybe yeah. we can get, do that on the next segment. Uh, you're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. We're talking with Sharon hewitt Rollette. audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com, or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. 
Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Center and Studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404 474 0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404-474-0086. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. Welcome back for sure to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and we're talking with Sharon Hewitt Rowlett about her excellent book about coincidences and some of the ideas she's gotten from it. And we're talking about, uh, I call that a kite or a balloon from each of our minds floating around in the psychosphere. And Sharon, you're saying that there's some independent intentional intelligence in that kite or balloon. Yes, I I think so. One of the reasons that I'm led to this belief is by looking at coincidences that that have happened to me and to other people. It seems like there's a fair amount of complexity in the way that these coincidences are orchestrated and the way that they come together. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, some of them get get really really complicated. Um, but a, a simple example of what I'm talking about is with my own uh, coincidence with the, the phone GPS locating me in France when I was actually in Pennsylvania um, and specifically locating me at the location of my French friend that I was thinking about at the time. One of the really odd aspects of this coincidence is that when I 
had this intuition that the phone was probably showing me where my friend was at that time. I didn't actually know where he was. And so I just Googled his name and the date that this event had happened. And it happened that on that for that day, his blog listed an event that he would be at and told me the place, uh, the town name. And so I was able to see that that matched the location of the map that my my other friend in Pennsylvania, that her phone had shown me. So it was like something had not only created this weird coincidence with the phone showing me my friend's location in France, but had also orchestrated a way for me to find out that that's where my friend was on that day. Because on his blog, he maybe had, I think he had five days out of the whole year where he had a location listed for a particular day. So well, it was he's, very... he's, he was thinking about you too, uh, around the same time as I mm -hmm. understand him. Mm -hmm. and, and I've had plenty of stories and you have too. And it's fun seeing some of your stories, like, uh, the photograph, uh, years ago showing the two people talking now were in the same photograph together. Uh, that, that one I mm -hmm. have seen many times and there are other ones like mm -hmm. that that I didn't see that I didn't see, um, uh, that I saw other examples of, of stuff that I had seen. So these categories are coming out. And this is a category, I think, of two people in a dance, two people who are tuned into each other and somehow running into each other. And it comes out in a more concrete way with a couple of people in a class I was giving who kept running into the same guy all the time. And they, 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 they didn't have much of a romantic anything between them at least from one side of it but they go around town and there the other one would be and and they it was perplexing it was like mm -hmm. they were had a bungee cord connecting them and that bungee cord would stretch and then bring them together in the same place sometimes mm -hmm. i have a i have a friend i haven't seen in years who i really care about who and we have a, a mutual friend and the mutual friend <clears throat> told me that over the past couple of months that the, my, the friend I haven't seen for a while um, and I are coming closer and closer together, uh, even though we don't know it, we're coming, coming, showing up at the same place. So it ended up that on last on Tuesday, uh, a couple of days ago, when I was, I was having dinner with this in-between friend, uh, she, that, that she told me that the person I hadn't seen for a long time had also suggested that she and the friend I was having dinner with also meet for lunch at this same place <laughs> and that was on the same day. And that's the same day that she broke up with her boyfriend, my, the friend I hadn't seen before. Mm. So it, it was, it, it, and, and this had been happening according to the in-between friends for a while, but she didn't tell me about it. Like we were both mm -hmm. like angling in on each other without really knowing it. Yeah. Because we both wanted to, see each other. And that's what I look at kind of like what's going on here. Yeah, but it's, I mean, from one perspective, cases like that could look like there's, it's almost a, a magnetic, a mechanistic kind of magnetic attraction that just kind of tries to, you know, pulls you together to the same location. But part of what I'm trying to get at is it's not just this mechanistic or magnetic thing where, you know, the desire on both people's part to see the other one tends to bring them together. But there's, 
there's this extra layer. So for instance, with the GPS coincidence, if it was just our emotion, um, you know, of wanting to communicate with each other, you know, thinking about each other on that day that produced the coincidence that day, it could have been any day, but it happened to be a day when I could find out where he was and confirm that this coincidence had taken place. Yeah. So it wasn't just, you know, blind emotion creating the coincidence on that day. It was calculated in a way. And how do you how do you understand the, that that happens? Well, part of me thinks it's it's our unconscious um, that is quite smart and able to deal with these very complex, you know, situations and, and orchestrations. Uh, so we're just, you know, our unconscious is a lot smarter than we tend to realize. But at the same time. I'm also led to wonder, well, was there a higher consciousness involved? Was there someone independent of my friend or myself who is saying, look, these two people need to know that they're thinking about each other. So we're going to orchestrate this so that they figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's part of the challenge of what you are writing about. And when you talk about the discarnate beings as how, how far can we go with our own being here on Earth thing going on and how much is out there uh, orchestrating some of this? And mm -hmm. you, I know you're convinced that there's some orchestrating intelligences out there. I mean, you live your life knowing that. Um, and Well, there's definitely, there's definitely a, a mind that is much wiser than mine and much more um, that knows much more than my mind that is in charge of the events of my life. Now, whether that ultimately is just part of my mind that I'm unconscious of, or whether that is um, something more like God or something in the middle, like an angel or a spirit guide, I'm not sure. But I know that it's bigger than just my conscious mind. Well, there, there gets to be a place where separating your mind from this other mind becomes problematic. The lines be yes. become blurred. Um, and that's that's what I look at in the psychosphere is that there there are places where there's mergery, merging, merger, merger, <laughs> mergering happening. Uh, and it's it's a play back and forth. And I'm more cautious than you are about the intelligences up there. But the, uh, one, of the, one of my last stories that I'm looking at in my current book that I'm writing is like, uh, there's got to be something else going on making this happen. I can't. I can't look at it as just individual responsibility. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the one of the one of your other, I think, very important um, contributions, which I was stumbling along with myself, and you've written about it more, uh, is like row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. That we are taught yes. things as kids that are really true and then learn to forget about them. How are coincidences <laughs> and dreams related to each other? So this is, this is one of the things I hint at in my book, but that my thoughts on have really developed a lot, um, a lot further in the months since that came out last May. Um, so I actually think that our waking life is much more like a dream than we realize. 
Um, I wouldn't say it's exactly the same as the dreams that we have when we are asleep, but there are so many similarities. And for instance, I pay attention to my dreams a lot. I write my dreams in my dream journal a lot. Um, and I, but I think that anybody who, you know, really thinks about their dreams has probably had a similar experience where you're in a dream and say like you're at a, you're at a party or something in your dream, you're having fun, but maybe there's some stuff going on. That's, um, a little bit crazy and you wonder to yourself in the dream i wonder what my mom would think about what's going on at this party right now well in the dream when you wonder something like that suddenly your mom will just pop up in the dream and she'll start giving your giving you her opinion about what's happening and in the dream it seems totally normal yeah my mom just showed up but then when you wake up and you think back over the events of the dream it's like oh i asked myself that question and then suddenly the dream responded giving me the answer. I think that same process happens in waking life. It's just much slower and more subtle. So it doesn't, your, your mom may not immediately show up, but in real life, if you had been at a party and wondering about this, then maybe two or three days later, or, you know, the next time you see your mom, she might say something offhandedly that has to do with what her opinion would have been about the activities going on at that party. Say, so. or, or someone who might represent your mother might be doing it, or you might read about right. it. Right. You might want to uh, might read about it. Um, that this isn't directly related because we're coming to the end of this. As I was reading through some of your um, reading through your book, there were three different times when I'd be thinking about something. And then uh, I pick up your book, and there it would be. And you are not alone is is one of those things. I was thinking about you are not alone, and then I looked at your chapter. Mm. Uh, you're listening to click, you're listening to connecting with coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Biteman, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. We're talking with Sharon Hewitt Rollett. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? 
The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not so secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Welcome back to CC with BB. In a previous section, we were, segment, we were talking about my reading Sharon's book. And there's always cryptonesia, which you like to bring up regularly in your book. They could have remembered that it was there before I got there. And yeah, it could have been. But I was thinking about it somewhat independently. And the phrase, you are not alone, it was something that occurred to a lot of people in that section of your book. Um, and made them feel better. And I want to know what you think that means, you are not alone. What are you instead of being alone? I think for me it goes back to what I was saying a few minutes ago about this idea that there is 
a wiser intelligence active in in our lives. Um, because I think a lot of times, especially when we're going through really difficult times, we tend to think we're not equal to the task of figuring this out. We are not, we're not able to solve the problems we're going through. We feel very alone in, you know, our, our emotional suffering. And sometimes the coincidences that we experience in those, those periods of our lives give us the reassurance that what we see in the physical world isn't all there is that and that behind appearances there is another greater mind that is behind what's happening and is i think a lot of times we see evidence that that mind is actually working working out the events in our lives to bring us to a better place to bring us to a better place emotionally and spiritually to help us grow um and we don't have to feel like we're in it all on our own because there's somebody invisible back there that that has our back and that is helping us, um, especially at the most crucial moments. They give us a hand. Um, not everybody thinks that way and not everybody experiences the world that way. No. And- People get into like awful circumstances and this doesn't seem to be anybody around. And this has been mm-hmm. a this good and evil mm-hmm. thing has been like around for a long time. And um, I, I started reading a description of uh, Genesis and uh, I finally understood uh, eating from the tree of knowledge meant learning about good and evil. And mm-hmm. learning about good and evil was correlated with starting to have a body instead of being a spiritual being, which Adam and Eve supposedly were before they ate the forbidden fruit. And so this world, according to this way of thinking, and it's somewhat, some mystics think this way, this world it will always be good and bad. They'll always mm-hmm. be positive and negative. There's always going to be a, a, a happiness and despair. Um, this is a duality wor- world where mm-hmm. we live. And the idea from a mystic, some mystical experience position is that we need to get out of this world through meditation or some other means so that we can avoid the push and pull of bad and good. What do you think about that from what you just said? I tend to think that we are in this world to experience the, you know, this polarity of good and bad for a reason. That it's not just a, a mistake or, you know, a torture device to, for us to, to have this life that we have that is sometimes very painful and difficult. I think that we are here for a reason. And that reason can often be very obscure. And I think that's part of, part of the purpose of living this life is not to always have all of the answers, to be wandering around in the dark quite a bit so that we have to rely on our our inner resources we have to rely on our intuition we have to rely on our ability to to choose good over evil to choose love over hate or fear and so we 
we discover and experience things that we couldn't if we were just living in a world of light and love where, you know, we always understand everything that's going on and we never have any painful experiences. So I think, I actually think that we're supposed to be in the dark yeah, um, and, and sometimes to feel alone because that's what helps us grow. Um, this idea that we are here to grow, to, that is to learn, um, I call it Earth University, or others have called it the school of hard knocks, uh, <laughs> is, is, a, is a favorite idea of people who like school. <laughs> <laughs> well, just for the record, I hated school. So. <laughs> well, you liked it enough to get a, a, a PhD. Oh, well, uh, I, did, I did like college. I just hated elementary, middle, and high school. But uh, yeah. yeah. And you like it enough to be writing, uh, writing, which is kind of yes. scholarly. Yes, I, I like many of the subjects of school. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that's what but. I mean. You, you like learning is another way of saying <laughs> Yes, that uh, is and, true. And there are a lot of people who don't like learning that much. Uh, they rather go along um, mm -hmm. just keep, or maybe learning something about statistics of their favorite baseball team, which is still something to be learning about. But it's, it's not as much trying to figure out what's going on around here which is yeah. what you do and what I do, because it is a mystery. Why are we here? What are we doing here? What is the purpose of life? And mm -hmm. I, I've run across this idea uh, in reading some mystical literature that it's not worth trying to answer these questions about love in, on this planet. Uh, we do need to learn, according to this, some karmic lessons so that we don't keep making the same mistakes in the next life. But this, we really can't change this world. It is a world of black and white. And the desire to make it better is, is misplaced because that's not what can happen in this world because it's a world of duality. I find that uh, a perspective. Um, I don't like it particularly. I like being able to try to make things better on this earth but it's an interesting uh perspective that i learned when i was in high school and i am hmm. just coming back to realizing it um but so my final question in our last uh, few minutes is uh, how do coincidences help people in their psychological and spiritual development i think that the most important thing that they do is help people take seriously the thoughts and feelings that they have. I think we tend to ignore thoughts and feelings that are not acceptable to our culture or to the family that we grew up in uh, or to a religion <clears throat> that we have, um, that we hold to. And anything that doesn't fit with that, we tend to repress or pretend that it doesn't exist. But some of those are really important thoughts and feelings, and it will actually make us emotionally sick or even physically sick not to acknowledge those thoughts and feelings. And coincidences in so many people's lives seemed designed to make them pay attention to those thoughts and feelings that they're trying to ignore. 
that was definitely what happened in my GPS coincidence. Um, because as much as I wanted to talk to my friend, um, I didn't think that it was possible at that time. And so I kept kind of pushing away this idea of communicating with him. And the GPS coincidence showed me that, no, I needed to communicate with him. And that was a very important step. Um, in the situation with me leaving academia and not being sure about it, I was dealing with you know, my desire not to be in academia, but also feeling a pressure from uh, the, the culture at large to do this, to do this job that I'd been trained for that paid well, um, relatively speaking, um, and struggling with whether my own feelings were valid in that regard, or whether I should listen to the voice of the culture around me. And the coincidences in both cases helped me to gain important clarity about what my own feelings were and to acknowledge, to accept those feelings as valid. I think a lot of times until we see those feelings or thoughts projected onto the physical world, like I saw them projected onto this phone or saw them in this you know, perfect academic position that came um, to me. Until we see them outside of ourselves, we don't take them as seriously. We need mirrors. We need Yes. Mirrors. Yes. And coincidences, especially the ones that are wildly statistically improbable, really will get our attention. They'll mirror that and, and we won't be able to look away. Yeah, I, I, I've liked the phrase mirrors of my mind. Uh, for mm -hmm. coincidence. I have a friend that has a website called Painting the Psyche. Uh, and it's, uh, it's the idea of being able to get what's inside of us out of us. This way we can't see our own face without a mirror. And yes. coincidences can be uh, a yes. very good mirror of what's going on inside us psychologically and emotionally and spiritually and then we can decide what to do with them. So we're coming to the end of this segment, Sharon. It's a really good book and fun talking with you, and I hope we see you down here in Charlottesville sometime soon. Great. Thank you so much, Bernie. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Weitman, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. We've been talking with Sharon Hewitt-Rollette. <laughs> 